Well, greetings, Imagination Connoisseurs. Once again, it is I, your Duke of Dope Discourse, your existential Mr. Rogers and your Viceroy of Verisimilitude, Robert Meyer Burnett, and I am coming at you once again with a companion video for the John Campia Show. And you all know how much I love doing these. I love that John lets me do them. But most of all, I enjoy that you watch them. So we're going to just jump right into it for Anonymous. Anonymous sends in, Hi, John. Regarding Lord of the Rings changing to the UK, I just want to suggest to anyone worried that UK has rural terrains not too dissimilar to New Zealand in terms of aesthetic. Just Google Scottish Highlands or English countryside. It'll be fine. Uh, you know what, Anonymous? You're probably right about that. I don't think that they would take the most expensive television show in history and make decisions that would be detrimental to it. Uh, call me crazy, but, you know, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right about that. After all, Tolkien was writing about Middle Earth from the UK in the first place. So, I guess in a way, you could say that the Lord of the Rings has come home. So, I agree with you, sir. Or, sirette, uh, if you're a woman. Or, if you, well, you could be non-binary and you wouldn't be either one of those things. I don't want to assume anything about any of you that write in anonymously. Iceman says, hey, John, have you had a chance to watch the Val Kilmer documentary on Amazon yet? Also, what is your favorite Val Kilmer performance? I have. It's heartbreaking. Uh, it's, I thought it was really fascinating, really interesting, but I, I'm not going to deny. Uh, it kind of choked me up. My favorite Val Kil Kilmer performance, I actually have two. Real Genius and The Doors. Those are my favorite. Although, you know, Tombstone's pretty great, too. James Argenta sends in a tip and says, The Hollywood Reporter said Lucasfilm is looking to cast Sabine in the Ahsoka show. Do you consider the Ahsoka show a sequel series to Star Wars Rebels? I think the Ahsoka show could start around when Ahsoka picked Sabine up on the Lothal, the final scene of Rebels. That could very well be. Uh, I could see that, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think that, I don't know if I'm going to consider all of these new shows sequels or just part of the continuum of the Star Wars universe. Um, somehow, I have hair in my mouth. Uh, that's what I would think. That So I, I don't, you know, I think of Rebels and Clone Wars and Mando now and Book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka. They're all kind of part of the Star Wars saga to me. So I wouldn't call them sequel shows, but um, I guess you could think of it Think of it as that. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it, man. Can't wait. Josh Mickle sends in a tip and says, Just listen to five shows of yours, cutting my grass with a push mower for six damn hours. Now that, Josh, that's some dedication. Uh, before I pass out, what's the worst experience you've had doing yard work? <laughs> P.S. Why six hours? My backyard is ten acres big. With 20 pine trees. I've been listening since 2012. First of all, Josh, that's a hell of a backyard. Um, what is the worst yard work? Well, I, I can't even... I've never cut grass for six hours. Uh, I don't know where why I have this in my mouth. Um, six... That's a that's a lot of grass for a push mower, bruh. Shouldn't you get like a one of those ride on... You know, you ride those mowers? Uh, wouldn't that be better? But you must have like... You must be buff you must like look like taylor lautner or something like the height of twilight um 
but I, 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 I admire you for that. But the worst experience you've had doing yard work, I have to say, I don't, I don't think I've ever had. I, I did a lot of yard work in my younger days. I don't think I had a bad experience. I, this might be nutty of me, but um, I kind of like yard work. You know, there was something gratifying about it. At the end of the day, you feel a little manly. I like that. But Josh, you, sir, uh, as Gaff said at the end of Blade Runner, you've done a man's job, sir. So there you go. Uh, Debab, unless you need to estab. I need, oh, Debab, unless you need to estab, sends in a tip and says, My family and jobs are fully vaxxed. We are protected. At what point do we say, as film fans, that this COVID era is something we have to live with going forward instead of being in this cycle of delaying more films. When do we stop living in fear if you're vaxxed? Well, I don't think it's about living in fear. Um, I think it's about watching out for your fellow man, your family members, uh, or whatever. The problem is this is really, the Delta variant especially, is very infectious, and it's easily spread. I think, look, if you're vaxxed and you wear masks, uh, I think you're doing your part. I think you're doing your part, and I don't think you need to live in fear. I don't look at his fear. I look at it as being personally responsible. But yeah, you're vaxxed. You already did that. Good for you. And just wear a mask. You know? Why not? Hey, John. I wrote in a few weeks ago about feeling a bit iffy on watching Polanski movies. Well, I remember that. Well, I gave in and watched The Pianist. And wow, it was fucking fantastic. Have you seen it? What are your thoughts? That scene with the Nazi that found him at the end? I love the penis. I'm a huge Polanski fan. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to really get into the problematic nature of of what he did that he definitely admitted to and was guilty of. But I think he's one of our great filmmakers. Um, I hope I can one day see his last film. But Rosemary's Baby and Chinatown are amongst my favorite films. And um, you know, it's a tough. It is a tough, tough, tough. Uh, idea, the idea of separating the art from the artist. And I think it has to be a personal uh, decision for everyone. Uh, Leo Milmet sends in a tip and says, oh, by the way, The Pianist, though, what a great film. My God. Adrian Brody, whoa, so good. Leo Milmet says, a weekish ago, I went to a secret classic screening at my local Cinemark, which ended up showing an American werewolf in London, which I hadn't seen. Didn't you say it's one of your favorite horror movies? If so, agree. I haven't laughed this hard in years. Bruh. I saw American Werewolf opening weekend in 1981. Uh, loved it. Loved it still. It's a horror classic. It works as both a comedy, a drama, and a horror film. And I think, what a great... Like, I can't imagine. How cool would that be? You go to the secret cinema and you rock American Werewolf in London. Uh, I don't think it... It doesn't get much better than that, Leo. Good on you, sir. Uh, Anonymous comes back and says, Hey, John and Rob, this is my first time. <laughs> is it possible for Disney to change the structure of the premiere access to allow for the movie to be available just on the day it premieres in theaters? Thanks. Well, I suppose they would do that, but I, I just think that they're leaving money on the table. You know, they want people to come back, so I, I don't I don't think they're ever going to do that. But um, it's possible. But I think, you know, they're going to want to leave it there for people because not everybody can watch it the first day. So, yeah, I, yeah, interesting, though. James L.H. sends in a tip and says, Hi, John. 
one or two. One of the great things about being back at the cinemas these last couple of months is sharing my opinions on the John Campia show. So my latest on Friday was Benedict Cumberbatch in The Courier. Excellent film, a spy thriller in the tone of Tinker Taylor. But as it's set around the Cuban Missile Crisis... This had the added element of being based on a true story. Benedict was excellent with a cast including Mrs. Maisel herself, Rachel Brosnahan. This had me engrossed from the start. Have you seen it or will you see this? I First of all, James, I love spy thrillers and I love the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, I wasn't born when it happened. I, I don't mean I love it as a thing. I mean, I love stories about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, and I'm dying to see it. So I'm glad you dug it. Uh, that's exciting. That is exciting. James L.H. comes back and says, My problem now, John, after having a great time this past seven days with Suicide Squad, Free Guy, and The Courier, I think I may have a different time with this week's UK releases, Don't Breathe 2 and Snake Eyes. But hey, that's what going to the cinema is all about. Yeah, I, you know, look, I really love Don't Breathe 1, so I hope that Don't Breathe 2 is good, but I, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath. But I hope it's good. And Snake Eyes, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, Russell Amador sends in a tip and says, Hey, John, wow. The rave reviews for Free Guy had me with some high expectations, and man, they didn't disappoint. Saw it Friday right after work and loved it. Epic cameos and scenes you won't believe. Comedy, action, and romance beautifully done. Well, Russell, I haven't seen it, but John certainly loves it, and uh, a lot of people love it, so I, I can't wait to see it. I would imagine you would have a good time. The real CEO of Zevia sends in a tip and says, Listen, Mr. Campia, you sell me on why I should sponsor you and tell me what a Zevia movie would be like. These days, we think of Zevia as the choice fizzy drink for all the cinema lovers. I think this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Well, I have to tell you, uh, I, I can't speak for John, but I'll tell you this. John's, uh, he evangelizes the greatness of Zevia uh, to a lot of people. And I would say that myself, I'm a tough sell. And I, you know, I don't like every uh, no-calorie soda drinks. But I have to say, CEO of Zevia, uh, I, am, I am a new convert. I can't get enough. That ginger root beer Zevia, oh, not only that, not only is it a great drink on its own, it's also a great mixer with Jameson. And uh, your zero-calorie cream soda, I'm a cream soda guy, and your ginger ale, and your cola, those are the flavors that I've had. They're all good. Uh, the drink's a little expensive, and, uh, you know, I could go broke uh, drinking as much as I do, but it's a fine drink, sir, and uh, I would say that uh, it's amazing, and I dig it. Man, that ginger root beer, I, I wish I had some more, but I, 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 as soon as I get it, it disappears. I wonder why. What would a Zevia movie be like? Well, I think that Zevia would probably be, in this day and age, a, a drink that would give each drinker some kind of extraordinary powers, whether it was mental powers, whether it was physical powers, maybe it was powers over time, powers over flight. But each different flavor of Zevia affects an individual in a different way, and you have to drink it and see what happens. A chip sends in, oh my God, chip. That is a very chip with the generous tip. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work, Campia. Your show is a daily habit and so entertaining. I love your crew and guests, too. Aaron, Robert, Rock, and Kimberly Curran is a delight. 
and a great addition to the rotation. Keep up the great work. Hashtag stay filthy. Well, Chip, first of all, thanks for that uh, incredible uh, vote of confidence and honoring the channel with that tip. Thank you so much. I agree with you. I think Aaron, uh, Aaron and me, we rock. But Kimberly Curran, I don't know where John found her, but she is an absolute delight. I mean, I made a, I made a crack once. I said, could there any, any be anybody else? Could there be anybody more photogenic on the on the interwebs than Kimberly Curran? I, I don't think so. And I say that with all great respect. Not like some old lascivious man way. Not at all. Uh, and she's also really smart, and she has great energy. She's a true find, a very special lady, and I'm glad you dig her, Chip. I think we all do. I think to to watch Kimberly Curran is to love her and to respect her and to wonder, where did she come from? Because she's extraordinary. BK Dan sends in a tip and says, John, I mentioned the old cartoon G.I. Joe on YouTube. It's put up on the official Hasbro channel. Like I said the other day, 16,000 max views per vid. Definitely doesn't bode well for hunger for that IP unless they seriously rebrand and update. Well, if it's the old G.I. Joe cartoon from, what, the early 80s, you're looking at almost a 40-year-old television show. Mm. I wonder, does G.I. Joe have a place in the modern day? I mean, does it? I don't know. I think you might be right about that, BK Dam. John, this is to help and to motivate you to hang uh, to hang in studio your YouTube plaque. Seriously, it's been subbed since right before you hit 100,000 subs. Do the math. Also, inches from the quarter million subs. I just need to say keep up the good work on keeping us entertained. BK Dan, uh, my, my channel is about to pass 41,000. And let me tell you, I want one of those plaques. If I had one, I would display it proudly. So I think you're right. I think you are right there yes sir sam weiser gamgee sends in a tip and says i wish i was mirror universe uva bowl the smart one so i could back my brinks truck up to john gunn's door actually did i say john gunn that was because i work with a john gunn on a movie called like dandelion dust you meant james gunn's door and dump out the bags of euros and say you are the god of handling character groups let me see your take on seven samurai a remake or any genre. <laughs> Bring on the filthy. Well, Sam Weiser Gamgee, um, that's a, a very, very nice thing of you to do for Mr. Gunn. Uh, just back that truck up. I agree with you. I mean, hell, I, I would like to see him even remake the Dirty Dozen and go all in, you know, do an ep a, a World War II epic. But yeah, I'm glad that, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you, um, if you're the smart Uva Bull, you back up the Brinks truck. I like that. That's very funny. Paul M. sends in a tip and says, Free Guy was 99% perfect for me. I got taken out when the female character did the one thing that was clearly established there was no button for. The last-minute Easter eggs were a nice touch, too. On a normal year, it would have hit $700 million. Go see it, people. Man, I'll tell you, there's a lot of love out there for Free Guy, which I haven't seen, but, man, a movie that's that's... Uh, with that kind of adulation, definitely something I need to get behind. You know what? Even if I don't end up seeing it in the theater, it's a must-buy for me on Blu-ray. So, Or actually 4K. I promise you I will buy it. The 8th sends in a tip and says, John, please send help. I got the voice of Christoph Waltz saying, Ooh, that's a bingo! Stuck in my head. Uh, it happens, you know? Uh, earworms are not just songs. They're definitely 
dialogue, lines of dialogue. You can't, you can't forget them once you've heard them. Game over, man. Game over. Um, so yeah. Oh, film loving bro sends in a tip and says, "Hey, fellow Yamato Star Blazers fan, if you haven't watched the recent updated take on the classic series." Yamato 2199 and Yamato 2202, you definitely should have Rob lend you his Blu-rays. Also, hope, hope Rob knows a third installment, Yamato 2205, is coming. Okay. Film Love and Bro. First of all, for those of you who don't know, there is a Japanese animated series that I believe debuted in Japan in 1974 called Space Battleship Yamato. And the Yamato, or as we say Yamato, but Yamato... Or as they say in Japan, Yamato. So that was a battleship we sunk in World War II. That after the Earth was devastated by the Gamelons and our oceans were dried up, they actually found the Yamato on the bottom of the ocean and our underground civilization now, because we have to live underground to save us from the radiation from the Gamelon bombing. Uh, They turned it into a spaceship with technology given to us by Queen Starsha of Iskandar. Um, and then the first time I saw it, it was the first two seasons were, um, they were, they were dubbed into English and they were significantly toned down because it was a pretty violent show for kids. And it's amazing. It was the first really serialized drama I ever got into. I know it's anime, but it was very serialized and very dramatic. I would go so far as to say, I love Space Battleship Yamato and the remake as a film loving bro says, of 2199 and 2202 are amazing. Uh, now this is kind of crazy. So you can you can now buy model kits or parts. You can buy like these issues where they every every week right now in Japan they're releasing uh, a company called Hachette is releasing parts to build a four foot starship Andromeda or space battleship Andromeda, which is. One of my favorite fictional spaceships. I mean, I love the space battleship Yamato, but the Andromeda that was actually introduced in the second season of the original Yamato and that was brought back in space battleship Yamato 2202, I mean, this sucker is four feet long. It's going to take, I think it's going to take, there's 60 issues, so it's going to take a little over probably another year before I have all the parts, but I'm going to build that sucker. It's lit. It's awesome. And uh, I love it so much. And I can't wait. 2205 is going to be an amalgamation of uh, Arrivederci, I believe, Yamato. Or or maybe it's... I, I, it's They're combining it with Be Forever, Yamato, which is an amazing movie that was after the series. I can't wait. Cannot wait. So film loving bro, you and I definitely park our shuttlecrafts in the same shuttle bay. Capri Grant. Sends in one of two. You know, I recently just rewatched Black Panther and T'Chaka didn't have to kill his brother. He had disarmed him before stabbing his claws at him. That was unnecessary. Instead of a stab, he could have just knocked the air out of him. Why are people making an issue out of a non-issue? Then Simulu jumps in on it, saying, They're not an experiment. Like, dude, he did not say it the way you're taking it. Your movie's release is being experimented with, though. Yes, I don't know, it bugs me. I think... Those are two questions you asked, but Capri Grant, I uh, first of all, I, I agree with you uh, about T'Chaka. It didn't have to happen. What are you going to do? Um, but uh, I think that the Simulu thing. Look, everyone's a little frosty. You're, you're a little, uh, you're a little tense when your movie's coming out. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know, Shang-Chi had its world premiere tonight. John went. I watched his video afterwards, and uh, he said it was amazing. Everybody's been saying it. I mean, not the hyperbole that a lot of online pundits are prone to. This seems like it's a really special movie for a lot of people. So I can't wait. I mean, I loved the Shang-Chi TV series. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? I see. Capri Grant, there's a couple of things he's got going on here. Hang on. Uh, so we, we covered the we covered the non-issue thing uh, about that, but let me let me go back to your first thing, which I thought was your first one, but no, it's stacked up on top. Capra Grant says, you know, I recently just rewatched Black Panther, and T'Chaka didn't have to kill his brother. He disarmed him before the stabbing his claws in him. That was unnecessary. Instead of a stab, he could have just knocked the air out of him. And it's not like he didn't have the time to decide not to kill him. When he initiated that second motion, it sure does suck for Killmonger, though. In another timeline, maybe T'Chaka doesn't kill him, but then he comes <laughs> then he comes to the TVA waltzing in like the Warner Brothers frog. <laughs> uh, that could happen, Capri Grant. I like that, the Warner Brothers frog with his top hat on. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're probably right, but I mean, it wouldn't be as dramatic, would it? You know, you kill somebody, it just adds, it ups the drama. And I mean that D-R-A-A-A-A-M-A, drama. Oh, enough of the drama. But in movies, you need it. Leo Milnitz said, hey, John, can you recount some funny on-air stories from the shows you've hosted over the years? I just rewatched the show where you realize some of your viewers are younger than the MCU. <laughs> By the way, I was five when Iron Man came out, and I'm about to start college now. Well, Leo, congratulations on starting college. Funny on-air stories from the shows you've hosted over the years. See, I, gosh, I, I've really hosted shows. I've always been guests on shows. I host my shows. But I, uh, that's right. Why aren't you all subscribed to the Burnett work? Please run over there now. Subscribe. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, the funniest, I, you know, nothing comes to mind. Like, what's the funniest thing? You know, I think the funniest shows I do are when I have my mom on. I actually randomly call my mom when I'm live on my YouTube show and talk to her. It's pretty damn funny. Uh, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. Uh, NCK sends in a tip. This is one of four. All right. I knew you would not agree with my opinion of Harley, and I saw that it divided the chat. I was provocative, my bad. But I think what I said about her, good character, but not enough to be that important for the audience. Um. John, I promised to do what the people who insulted you at the time you announced Affleck would be stepping down as Batman didn't. I have strong opinions on certain subjects, but I'm fair. A day, uh, a movie like The Bird of Prey, or Birds of Prey, with Harley for the main character as a commercial and critical success, I will admit I am wrong. Yeah, it's more or less a bet, my friend. Uh, with the exception of a Joker and Harley movie, because in this case, people would come primarily for the Joker. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Harley Quinn can exist in her own movie yet. I haven't seen that, although a lot of people online, I hear a lot of, well, you know, if Kathy Tan, she was doing what James Gunn was doing first with Birds of Prey, uh, I think it's a little different. I think it's a little different, but I, I can understand why people say that. Uh, I think you might be right, though. I don't know if Harley can carry her own movie uh, and have it be a, a raging success. I don't know. It's a good idea. It's a good. It's a. It's an interesting question to ponder. Uh, Caleb sends in a tip and says, "My idea: 
How about a show featuring Weasel as a Jack the Ripper-esque serial killer, but focused on Flag or some of Waller's lackeys bringing him down? More along the lines of a true detective, but Weasel. Man, I don't know, man. I don't know if you can take that character seriously. I, I, I was happy Weasel. Uh, spoiler alert. Maybe I shouldn't get into that, but um, and I won't. But I, I was very pleased with the fate of Weasel in Suicide Squad. But do we want to make him a serial killer? A bad guy? I guess he is a bad guy, so... That would make me sad, though, because I like the weasel. Ethan Holgate sends in a tip and says, I did it, John. I took your recommendation and did a free guy and the Suicide Squad double feature. And you were right. What a fun experience that was. Loved free guy in my fourth viewing of the Suicide Squad. The same woman who served me my tickets. She said, oh my God, seeing me again. Well, Ethan, it's nice to be remembered by the ladies who tear your tickets. But yeah, dude, it's good, man. It's not hard to see a good movie, isn't it? I mean, it's don't you love that? It's great stuff. Great, great stuff. Uh, so I'm glad you had a fine day and took John's advice. Corey sends in a tip and says, one or two. Hey, John, two things. First, in an interview with IndieWire, James Gunn addressed people discussing if he'd want an R-rated Guardians, and he said no. But if he could do an R-rated Marvel movie, he'd like doing a Drax movie. This seems unlikely, but would this be interesting? Second, further news on Wes Anderson's next film after French Dispatch is that Margot Robbie joins Tom Hanks, Bill Murray, Adrian Brody, and Tilda Swinton. Is it possible to put into words how exciting this sounds? No, and I think they added somebody today. Uh, in addition to that, I can't wait. I think it's going to... Oh, Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson was announced today. So, Corey, I mean, come on, dude. I cannot wait. I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan, and one of his great strengths is casting. I love to see how he places actors in, in, in various parts. Uh, I think it's always very exciting, and this sounds like a good one to me. There's no downside. So I'm stoked. Anonymous says, You seem surprisingly calm. For a guy who casually says streaming will end quality films. I don't disagree with you. It's just not some small topic. As a film fan, how can you be so excited for movies and talk about the end of quality at the same time? Well, I think that, you know what, I, I, I think we all are, um, we all want quality movies. I mean, that's the whole thing. We love movies and we want them to be the best they can be. But we also, like, we live in a world where, you know, things are changing so rapidly that we have to accept the possibility of what we're going to get and what that all means. Look, I just want, I just want great movies, but if streaming is the way of the future and we have to embrace it, well, I choose physical media, <laughs> but no, I, I agree. I mean, look, we have to talk about things in a dispassionate, pragmatic way. And then when we talk about things we love, we can talk about them passionately, but just because I don't necessarily think it's great for movies, but I don't think movies have been, to be honest, as much as I like the MCU and as much as Shang-Chi is probably going to kick ass, I miss movies like The Godfather. I miss movies like Hunt for Red October. You know, I miss movies like, hell, Back to the Future. Do we have anybody that can make movies like that? I don't know. I don't think it's just a function of streaming. You know, I think it has to do with all movies everywhere. Dangerous D says, I was on HBO Max and I see Titan Season 3 was now streaming. I had no idea that it started. There was not much advertisement that it was on. And I was genuinely surprised to have been watching the show. And what do you think of the first few episodes? Thanks. Bring on the filthy. Well, Dangerous D, I know John checked out of Titans. I've watched Titans. I've not started Season 3. 
I'll watch it, though, only because the Teen Titans are one of my favorite superhero teams, so it would be silly of me not to watch, but I haven't watched it yet. Uh, BK Dan says, John just saw Free Guy. Matrix meets They Live meets Groundhog Day pretty much describes it. Or those things all together just sound awesome. Uh, with a love of story thrown in for good measure. Well, sir, Dan, it sounds like we all win. There's no there, Nothing you described is anything less than awesome, and it makes me want to go to the movie. Absolutely. Um, yo, John, I'm watching the Candyman trailers, and I notice he's barley in them. We rarely see Candyman, which I like. He's a myth, a legend, a psychological fear we can't perceive, which made me realize this is the Spawn movie McFarlane has been wanting to make. Helen, be my victim. I love Candyman. The first Candyman directed by Bernard Rose with that Philip Glass score rules. And I, I have to say, oh, by the way, that was from Cav Captain Marveloso said that to us. So Captain Marveloso, thank you. You and I clearly park our shuttlecrafts in the same Shuttle Bay, quite enjoyed it. I, I, you know what? This new Candyman looks really good to me. Um, I hope they keep the tone of the first Candyman. It looks like it might be a little goofy. I hope it's not. The first Candyman was really serious, which is what I think made it really great. That and Tony Todd's performance and Virginia Madsen. Everybody in, in the first Candyman was great, and I love the way it was directed, and I love the Philip Glass score. So, yes, sir. I uh, can't wait to see that i hope it's great jojo giraffe says sorry if you talked about it before but have you watched ted lasso i have it's so if so what are your thoughts i think it's really funny it has a lot of heart and has great characters the first two episodes are fine but three and four are where the show really starts to hit well jojo giraffe i agree i have to say the second season mm, i haven't seen it all yet obviously it's a little i'm like i don't think it's as good as the first but i really like the show i really like the show i mean Jason Sudeikis, I, I I think it's a great, great show. And uh, I, it always puts a smile on my face. But I don't think season two is as good as season one. And again, I haven't obviously got to the end of them, but we'll have to see what happens. Groovy Don't Play sends in a tip and says, Hi, John Cam, J. Cam. What are your thoughts on Billy Zane being cast as Brigadier Commander Enos Queeth in MacGruber, the series on Peacock? I can't wait for Zane's Queeth. Personally, also, have you seen Idiocracy? And it doesn't feel like the future. <laughs> Bye for now. Well, Groovy Don't Play, uh, I love the idea. I love Billy Zane. I love the idea. I love him in Titanic. I know you're melancholy. I don't presume to know why. Uh, I love Billy Zane. I'll watch him in anything. So God love him that he's going to be the villain in the MacGruber series. What's not to love? And Idiocracy, I thought it was just a trifle of a comedy. I had no idea that it was actually a documentary of our actual future. So, you know, I don't like that. I don't think it's good, but I think it's what we're going to have to live with. So what are we going to do? Uh, one of two, coming from Kung Fu Hot Dog. Hot Dog. Uh, hey, John, saw Free Guy and enjoyed most of it. Liked Millie over Molotov Girl, who was meh. Well. My go-to is Ready Player One, which has superior visual effects, great story, and Spielberg at the helm. Free Guy's action scenes were drowned out by overused loud songs. I could see that. I mean, I like Ready Player One. I thought it was actually an improvement on the book. Uh, and, of course, it's Steven Spielberg. But, yeah, man, any movie that has a Gundam RX-78 that was rendered photorealistically doing battle, I'm in. I'll watch that. 
Um, yeah, I do. I do like Ready Player One. And then uh, Hong uh, Kung Fu Hot Dog goes on to say, "I will say after watching Free Guy, if they ever decide to reboot Back to the Future with better sequels this time, Joe Carey is my Mar or is it Kiri? Joe Kiri is my Marty McFly. Sign me up for that, man. First of all, Kung Fu Hot Dog." Don't you dare besmirch the memory of Back to the Future. They should never remake it. Never, never, never. Curious about the Adam Project from 2022, which reunites Reynolds and Sean Levy. Me too. Look, I think they had a very fruitful a fruitful collaboration this time, and I would like to see it continue. BK Dan says, John, today in entertainment history, the iconic Woodstock Festival opened in Bethel, New York, August 15th, 1969. Forever changing music festivals and concert events, 52 years and still relevant and being talked about today as something legendary. Yes, Woodstock was an amazing occurrence. For those of you who don't know what Woodstock was, uh, it was a, a concert, sort of a protest concert in the late 60s. And everybody who was anybody basically showed up for a very muddy weekend of song. And uh, if you don't know what Woodstock is, there's a great movie that I actually have on Blu-ray called, go figure, Woodstock. That shows some of the great performances, live performances, the musicians that played. So, yes. I didn't realize that. 52 years. Uh, that's amazing. 52 years today. Wow. Wow. Uh, Andy Hong. Is it Hong? Andy Hong tips. One of four. I can finally stream HBO Max directly from my LG OLED TV, and it's a lot smoother on my TV than it was using my Fire TV Cube. Apparently, LG has had HBO Max since early August. HBO is like the A24 of TV content. I like that. That's a good one. They know how to deliver high-quality TV product like it's nobody's business. Also, I love Warner Brothers content. I'm a big fan. And yet, it boggles my mind how something as big as Warner Brothers could have botched what should have been a streaming service that's in the top three with Netflix and Disney+. Plus? Its user interface could still use some work, and outside of my LG TV, it has often crashed. I took a look at the Google Play Store and saw that Disney+, Plus, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and Peacock have consistently high ratings, and then there's HBO Max with a 2.8 out of 5. Well, I think, you know, Andy... Hang on, you keep going. I hope Discovery can fix this, be more competent in the future than the people who previously ran it, and push HBO Max more into the limelight. By the way, Discovery has higher ratings on Google Play than any of the aforementioned services. Yeah, I think it can only help. I'm really looking forward to seeing where it all goes. We'll see. But you're right. I mean, I look, I like HBO Max a lot. If nothing else, then the content they provide is amazing. You know, they, they really have the Tiffany, Andy, the Tiffany of, of programs, and, and their, their stuff is great. It's great. Andy goes on to say, the competitors on Family Feud are lucky as hell that Dominic Toretto doesn't compete against them, as he would be incredibly intense and competitive since nothing is important as family, is as important as family. I love you, John. Bring on the filthy. Well, Andy... I hope the filthy was brought on for you over this weekend. I hope it was as filthy as you imagined. I want to thank you for generously supporting the show that way. That was very nice. Orange Go 55 sends in a tip and says, Chapek has been with Disney 30 years. Iger and Board knew what kind of an exec he is, yet still pushed him through. Big blemish for Iger's legacy, in my humble opinion. Well, I'm going to chalk all this up to growing pains, Orange Grove. Maybe Chapek will have a bigger, better future with the with the entire uh, Disney group, but 
maybe he's just not cut out to hold the reins the way he is. I mean, you know, he might have been there for a long time, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily the best guy for the job. But I think we should give him the benefit of the doubt. It looks like he's he's mucking it up a lot, but mm, I'll give him some time. I'll give him some time. Ben Rayner, one of three. Hi, John. I hope you had a great weekend. Talking about one-season shows, have you seen the show Life on Mars? I did, and I really liked it. It's a remake of a British show. It's about a cop from 2008 who gets hit on the head and wakes up in the 1970s. Yeah, I really liked it, and uh, I wish that uh, the American version didn't didn't get canceled. The whole season is about him figure out figuring out why and if he could get back. Cast is good with Harvey Keitel, Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos, and Jason O'Mara, who was on that Terra Nova show. It's a great show, and even though it lasted one season, it ended up in a solid and satisfying way. It's streaming. I think you would like it if you'd seen it. Want to know your thoughts? Thanks for all. Bring on the filthy. Well, Ben, I think uh, that show was great, and I, I didn't, uh, I liked it, and I wished it had come back, but I, it didn't. I, I understand the reasoning, but um, yeah, I think that would have been great. I like Life on Mars, so. I'm all about that. But John should watch. I think John would dig it, actually. And I don't know. Maybe he's seen it. Maybe he's seen it. I don't know. Terrence Fisher. What have you been doing, Terrence? Make another movie. Uh, One of three. John. I'm highly disappointed. Saw Free Guy opening night the same day you discussed the AMC debacle. I get to my favorite theater inside AMC, which is the Dolby Theater. I sit down and I realize the recliners have gotten smaller. (gasps) It seemed they changed out the mid-size comfortable recliners for smaller ones in order to get more seats in the theater. Those bastards. Barely had any room and was quite uncomfortable eating my popcorn. I was lucky enough to have a few empty seats on both sides of me, but I imagine when the theater gets full, patrons will be just as close to each other as in theaters with regular stadium seating. Well, that's bogus, which is not only uncomfortable, it takes away from the joy of the Dolby Theater, and it's bad for COVID. What the hell is MCA doing? Well, Terrence, I haven't heard this before. Did I say MCA? AMC. Uh, This is distressing, man, because the whole point of going to their Dolby Cinemas is those great recliners. You can kick back. But now, what kind of of sorcery is this? What do they think we're trying... What are they trying to pull on us? It's kind of like what the Jabba's were trying to pull on Owen and Baru Lars. Hey, what are you trying to push on us? Actually, pull on us. What did I say? Anyway, Terrence, I feel you. I feel you. Nosferatu sends in a tip and says, this is for Rob. Really? Thank you. This is for Rob. Just remember that John Campia thinks mayo belongs on hot dogs. Oh, man. He needs to keep his Canadian crap to himself. Laugh out loud. Just kidding. I love you guys. Well, Nosferatu. We love you, too. And I don't know, why would John Campia put mayonnaise on a hot dog? Bruh. Bruh, that's just not done. I mean, I, I put ketchup on a hot dog and I feel guilty. you got to have at least ketchup and mustard. Why are you putting mayo on your dog, dude? No, no, no. No, 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 no. Not good, John. Nosferatu. Goes on again and says, If Marvel had decided to use Thanos' motive from the comics, could Marvel have made it work? Or is this an example of something that works better in the comics than rather on the bad screen? You mean big screen? I'm personally glad they changed his motive. I think you mean he was trying to impress death. Yeah, I I think that would have been too much. Even now, even with the introduction of Agatha Harkness and the whole supernatural realm, realm, 
Yeah, I just think it would be too much. It would be too much to ask. I think you're absolutely right. Um, maybe you could have made it work, but it's too... I like what the Infinity Saga did, how it, as fantastical as it got, it kept it down to Earth. And I think that they needed to do that so the horror of, the, of half our half the universe's population as seen through the eyes of people on Earth was horrifying. Horrifying. Caleb says... Did you see McFarlane's Spawn movie has a new writer? I saw that. Are you excited for this project at all? And does this increase the chance that it ends up happening? For me, I just wish Todd McFarlane gave up on directing and got someone new. Look, I read the first hundred issues of Spawn. I really liked it. Uh, I liked the art. I, I thought the character was fun. But the movie, that first movie, it, it was not good. They couldn't decide what they wanted it to be. So I would love to see another Spawn movie as long as it turns out great. So maybe the new writer can finally crack it and make it into something that Todd McFarlane and company would want to see. I hope so, because I like the character. A frog and a fart sends in a tip. What's the most disturbing film you've ever seen? Wow, that's tough. You know, I, I look, a Serbian film for its, its reputation is quite disturbing. And so is uh, Solo, The 120 Days of Sodom. I, I think that those are the two films I've seen that are... Most disturbing, but the first time I ever saw it, a movie called Blood Sucking Freaks, uh, I didn't like. I thought it was really offensive. Didn't enjoy it. Uh, so there you go. Um, let's see. Outer Here. Where Where is the beginning of Outer Here? I don't know. Uh, three of four, you say. Outer Here says, hmm. I don't know where you where the first of you is, Outer. Did I miss you? Well, I'm only going to go with three and four. Uh, as it probably works out cheaper, I know coming from a working-class background, I could see my parents favoring that model. We would probably have Saturday night movie night as we did renting a movie from Blockbuster. Oh, so you're talking about streaming and why you would do first premiere like Black Widow or something that was available immediately. And maybe once on a birthday, take advantage of the theater experience as a special treat. Whereas singletons like me who has to only buy one ticket, opting mostly for the theatrical experience. Streaming movies like Mulan probably works for many families. Okay, uh, outer here, I can assume that since you're talking about streaming, the differences between people that want to stay home and people that actually go out to the movies. And that streaming, look, I think streaming is probably a good option, especially for families. Um, you know, I'm a cineast, so I really like going to the theater and having a great experience. But, you know, there's also, for distribution, it's not as great out there as it used to be. I mean, all the theaters I went to growing up were these giant big box theaters. It was one theater, and they were huge, and they didn't necessarily turn them into cineplexes and multiplexes. That happened later, and I did miss all those theaters. And I love the theatrical experience. Love it, love it, love it. So I think that's what you were saying, and I think you're, you're right. I mean, I, I love the theatrical experience, but I think there's a place for both. Uh, McCrap. McCrap says, Ryan Reynolds just said Disney wants to make a Free Guy sequel, and I'm beyond happy. So's John. Love the movie. Also, Emma Stone just closed the deal for Cruella 2, and I bet we'll soon hear the Jungle Cruise sequel announcement. Sequel meetings have already happened. Yeah, I would imagine so, because Disney's looking to build those new franchises, and by God, why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they? Dangerous D says, what if J.K. Rowling sold her Harry Potter universe like George Lucas did for Star Wars? There's so much to explore in that universe. Create new characters. Explore Hagrid's origins. 
The Weasleys, how Hogwarts was made. Would that be a great idea? Dangerous D, I think that'd be a great idea, but I don't know how you could do any of that. You can't build the Harry Potter mythology without J.K. Rowling doing it because it's all of her mythology. So if you sold it to somebody and they hired rando writers to create stuff in the Harry Potter universe, I think that um, J.K. Rowling would not be happy. Not be a happy camper unless she had complete oversight as to what is collected and what is changed or what is adapted or who's what new characters are being introduced i think it's it's jk rowling's harry potter world we all live in it so dangerous d however a fine fine question b wayne nyc actually no it's milton milton a really nice guy sends in a tip and says what are your favorite movie posters oh wow among my favorites are robocop a great poster hellraiser Back to the Future and Jaws, those are all fine choices. I'd have to say that some of my favorite movie posters in the world, uh, the original You Only Live Twice poster, the Bond poster, I love Jaws. I love The Rocketeer. I think The Rocketeer from, what, 1991 is one of the only great modern movie posters. Um, But I like posters like Star Trek The Wrath of Khan and Star Trek The Motion Picture. I think those are great. Um I like anything that's painted by Amsel, like the original Raiders of the Lost Ark poster, uh, Drew Struzan, um, you know, all the grand masters of poster art. I love them. Love them, love them, love them. So, yeah. Uh, But your choices are great. Back to the Future, Jaws, Hellraiser, and Robocop are all great, great posters. And they've all got pretty singular images on them which I really like, a single striking image. It's not just a Photoshop of a bunch of heads. So I like that. I like that the subjects of your favorite posters are in your face and just up front. B. Wayne from New York says, John, after watching a show the first week or last week uh, about the D. Johnson renegotiated Jungle Cruise contract, it got me thinking how that might go. So, Mr. Chapek, don't you think we should really revise my JC contract? Doesn't matter what you think. Your candy asses just make this happen. (laughs) <laughs> well, why not? Uh, I hope, B. Wayne, that you survive that fight, because I think it's a good one and worth fighting for. Uh, Logan James Kynaston sends in a tip and says, Hey, John, lately I've been going back to watch all the classic Universal Monster films. I just recently rewatched Bride of Frankenstein. As well as old classic horrors, do you have any favorites? I love Frankenstein from 1931 and House of Wax starring Vincent Price from 53. Uh, Those are great. I also do love the original Dracula. I think it's amazing. And uh, I love The Invisible Man. Love The Invisible Man. But yeah, I like all the horror and science fiction from around that time. So what's not to love? Uh, Anton Riley sends in a tip and says, okay... I'm done with AMC. I went to see Free Guy at my local AMC on Friday. Saw on their website a 2 p.m. showing, so I, so I show up to the theater at 1.50. But to my dismay, I see a note on the doors that says, due to unforeseen circumstances, we won't open until 4 p.m. Well, you know. So I went, well, uh-oh, it goes on. So I wait for two hours. So this is still Anton Riley. Uh, in the nearby mall, only to come back to see a Sharpie written over the time, delaying it another two hours. Oh, my God. I, that's so annoying. At that point, I was done. Usually, I'm lenient to these things happening, but something about the timing after the announcement of showtimes being reduced and ticket prices going up smells fishy. 
So I'll just be going to my local theater chain, uh, Im- Imagine for now, same distance away from my house in a different direction, cheaper ticks, and they have recliners unlike my local AMC. Well, Anonymous, that sounds academic to me. You already know what you want. So um, why not? Why not do that? Jonathan says, I saw Free Guy, and I have to be honest, I love this movie more than Suicide Squad. I had bigger laughs, and it was just an overall more wholesome experience, for sure. Movie gets better the longer it goes, a grade A. And John, don't just have a good day, you have a great day. Well, I'm sure you will. Uh, Well, that's what I hear. People like Free Guy. They talk about it having a lot of heart. Again, I'm going to see it. I'll be able to opine on it when I do, and uh, I can't wait. Because, you know, more people than not are saying how great it is. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Jonathan goes on to say, Free Guy is a movie I want to see over and over and over again. The more I think about it, the more I love it. I saw it at the Alamo Draft House with my parents, first for them. And they loved it, too. Also, sweet, sweet fantasy, baby. Mariah Carey, man. Woo, I love this movie. Wow, Jonathan, you slipped in a little filthy there at the end. Good for you. Uh, WH sends in a tip and says, John, I checked TSX, why can't I say TSS, TSS's box office performance, that would be the Suicide Squad, I find its domestic box office performed poorly, but its foreign markets are much stronger, including China, uh, excluding China, other movies like GVK, Black Widow, Jungle, Jungle Cruise is at 50-50, but any TCC's domestic is only one half overseas, any thoughts? Well, no. I mean, I, I wish it got more money. I think it's a lot more clever and more fun than, than its box office grosses would say. So that's a bummer. But, um, you know, maybe it'll have a second life on video or something. I mean, one one can only hope. Uh, this next one comes from Wesley Cunningham. Hey, John and company, I've been loving the show since 2013. I think you can guess which review, laugh out loud. But my question comment is on the AMC price increase. Wesley goes on to say, could it have to do with not just normal short-term gains, but actual targeted strategy to push more people toward A-list? With all the subs paused during the year, shutdown and A-list being the direction AMC was headed, could you see the single-digit price increases as their attempt to incentivize people to just shoot for the subscription? Yes. A short answer, Wesley, yes. That's very astute. Uh, Oh, and Wesley's not done. He goes on to say, then once they're in the theater, it's just you smell the popcorn, so you want it as normal to get people to the concession stand. Let's all go to the lobby. I would imagine at least. Yeah, man, I think you're absolutely right about that. I mean, look, it ain't show friends, it's show business. And they love the movies, obviously. If you work at a theater, you love the movies. But And if you own a theater, obviously. But they want to make money. So... They need, they need, look, it's, it doesn't behoove them to charge a big upfront rate because they're big marketing. The thing they make the most money on is refreshments. So you wouldn't want them to lose that. Wesley Cunningham, his fifth question says, not a business expert by any means, so feel free to rip apart any giant holes in the theory. I don't think there are giant holes, but from the talk at how bad Aaron has been, I still wouldn't be surprised if there were some, um, has Aaron been bad? Keep bringing on the filthy. A good question. I think, yeah, I think they're looking for revenue streams like the A-list. They want more people to join up because that's like free money every month. And, of course, you get people to get those sweet, sweet concessions and you make the money. So 
you know, you want to get people to come into your theater as much as they can. And I would think dropping prices is good and then allowing people, you know, buy as much junk food as they want, making a ton of money. Uh, Jonathan sends in a tip and says, also no spoilers, but guy versus dude has to be the best fight scene in 2021 so far. Well, not according to John Campia, who saw Shang-Chi tonight. He says it's got the best martial arts since the raid. My beloved, or as I like to call it, the rad. Come on, John. Really? Come on, dude. For real? I guess we're going to find out. I see Shang-Chi on Wednesday. We'll see. I'll report back. Also, no spoilers, but Guy vs. Dude has to be the best fight scene in 2021 so far. It had the biggest theater pop for me ever, and I cheered like hell. If you saw the movie, you'll know when I cheered and why. Yes, Jonathan, I haven't even seen the movie, and I know what you were cheering for and why. So that's very good. I'm, I'm very excited. The Chris Vargas said, hey, John. So recently, Bob Chapek said that Shang-Chi would be an experiment about the company, or for the company, and instantly I thought about that time you would pay to go to the movies just to see the Star Wars trailer. I did that. I went and saw The Siege with Denzel Washington just to see the trailer for The Phantom Menace. That was a real thing, people. It was a real thing. That's how fanatical we were. Do you think Disney wants to do the same with Spider-Man? I don't know. I mean, I I read something today that said they're going to show it at CinemaCon first, and then they're going to release it. Remember, uh... You know, we're still a little ways out, but I think we're getting to that sweet spot. I mean, it opens in December, so you've still got September, October, and November before you even get to September. It's it's still mid-August, so I can understand why they might hold off. But I think we need to see it. I think they got to see it. I mean, my God, uh, now that Shang-Chi apparently, well, we'll see if it's going to be a hit, but people seem to love it. I can understand why they don't want to get into the way of that. I mean, they they release a Spider-Man trailer now. People start talking about Spider-Man when they should be talking about Shang-Chi. But they're, you know, I think that's why they do it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, yes, I don't think it's about going to the trailer. But I think people, you know, people, whatever, they'll do whatever. They'll do whatever nefarious deeds they have to do to make you want to go to the theater and see uh, see stuff. Which is good. Monster Nom Nom. I would imagine that's a suicide reference. Hi, John. Do you think the DCEU started at a disadvantage to Marvel due to the audience's preconceived notions of past cinematic iterations of Superman and Batman in the 70s and the 80s, whereas the MCU could start with more of a blank slate? Maybe. I mean, I think that DC, there, I was saying this on the show today, uh, this idea that they want, they want, they don't care about a cinematic universe. They want Avengers money. That's what they want. And they think that, oh, we'll just, the reason that the Marvel Cinematic Universe works so well is the planning that goes into it, and even when it goes a little bit awry, there's enough people there to know how to steer the ship and make it great. So I think that's... I, 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 I think DC is better off as doing the exact opposite. Make more single-film visions. I mean, obviously you can have a Christopher Nolan and make a trilogy if you want, but I liked... I mean, look at the diversity between Wonder Woman, Joker, and Aquaman. I mean, maybe Aquaman with its hell's a pop and fantasy imagery uh, it looked like a 70s prog rock album cover. I was so there for that. I mean, I know it's not everybody's thing, but but I just I enjoyed how different James uh, Wan's vision for Aquaman was than I expected. I mean, he went full on fantasy Ray Harryhausen. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching and I loved it, loved it, made me feel like I was six, you know. 
I think that's amazing. And I, I did, I did love it. So I don't, you know, I, I think even look at the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. That was kind of standalone. It wasn't part of a cinematic universe and it did very, very well between Nolan's Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises and, and Todd Phillips' Joker and, you know, take your pick, James Wan's Aquaman and even Wonder Woman. Those are very successful films making a lot of money and definitely giving Marvel a run for their money. They might not have the best, most successful cinematic universe, but they're still doing all right. Uh, Yellow CT says, if you enjoy historical movies and have an appreciation for art, I highly recommend this double feature, The Monuments Men and Women in Gold. That's a good idea. That's a good, I, that's a good, a very good double feature. And I, I agree with you. Uh, that's a really good, I didn't, didn't George Clooney direct Monuments Men? He wasn't just in it. He directed it. Your Tribal Chief sends in a tip and said, obviously we'll never know this, but if Peacemaker wasn't already shot and still in development, do you think Warner Brothers DC and HBO Max would have still moved forward with the show after the Suicide Squad flopped hard? I don't think they will, but I think that they're all in and they're going to go for it anyway and try and make it work because it could be a very different story on HBO Max. We'll see. I mean, I thought John Cena was pretty good as Peacemaker, so I, I, I'm excited. I'd go watch that movie. Tell him Steve Dave tipped $5. Says, John, you're right, but listen. Titan Season 1 was a curveball and maybe not the best way to go, but Season 2 is fantastic. The Deathstroke story is perfect, and I think you'd like it. You are, I don't know, when I was reading the uh, Teen Titans, the original, uh, it's not the original Teen Titans, but the, the reboot with Raven and Cyborg that Marv Wolfman and George Perez did, that first storyline with, well, it wasn't the first storyline, but the storyline with um, Deathstroke the Terminator, oh my God, that was insane. Insane shit. It was insane. Uh, I loved it. So I hope that it was equally insane in season two of Titans. But I need to see. I need to see. So, hey, I, I if it learns from its mistakes, okay. I just, the overall tone, I didn't recognize the comic that I, I didn't, I didn't think the show was, I thought it would be more like, if this sounds strange, I've said it before on the John Campy show, that I'd much rather see like the Friday Night Lights aspect of the Titans kind of added back into it. I miss that. I miss that about the Titans. Um, tell him Steve and Dave goes on to say, same can be said about Rick and Morty. Season one was fine, but it picks up significantly in later seasons. Also, any interest in the sci-fi Chucky show, not for me, that doll terrorized my childhood. Black Mirror is good because each episode's standalone to watch more. Love Black Mirror. Tell them, Steve and Dave. Loved Black Mirror. It's so good. So, yeah, I, I, am, I am with you. I'm with you there. Uh, I, I can't wait to see that. And, um, yeah, I, the Chucky show, I don't know. If it's good, I'll watch it. It just kind of looks dumb. Maybe it's, I, I mean, are we still scared of dolls? I guess we are. Tell them Steve and Dave goes on and says, also, if you could only watch one of these shows and the others disappear from existence, what would you choose? The Boys, Umbrella Academy, Invi Invincible, the upcoming Secret Invasion, upcoming Lord of the Rings show, and the upcoming Shogun. Yes, I went there. Uh, I would, hmm. I'd probably take the Lord of the Rings show and everyone else would disappear. Look, I already saw Shogun. I don't need to see the remake. And I'd, I want to know. I want to know. I'd take the Lord of the Rings show. Uh, yep. And they do they have to disappear? I guess they do. 
Gabe sends in a tip and says, hey, John, I just got out from watching Free Guy. I got to say that was the most fun I had at a movie theater in a long time. Gabe, right there with you, Studley. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I love going to movie theaters and I really miss it. I've only seen Fast 9 and, uh, I don't even remember what was the other thing I saw. Fast 9 and, um, you guys must know. I saw Fast 9 and I can't remember. I'm too tired. I'm exhausted, to be honest. Uh, I don't remember. What the hell was it? Oh, Army of the Dead. Which I hate. I hated Fast 9. I hated Army of the Dead so much. Oh, I wanted to like them, but I didn't. Did not. Uh, hey, John. Saw the Suicide Squad this weekend with a friend of mine. He is what we call a normie. He didn't like it. He turned to me to the car in the car on the way back home and asked, Why was Patrick Starr in this movie? Made me chuckle. Laugh out loud. Well, yeah. That would make me chuckle, too. Come on, man. You got to take Suicide Squad in the spirit. It's intended. You gotta like, you know, meet it on meet it on its own meet it on its own terms. It's the only way it can be done. So I'm sorry about your friend, but I think that's I think your friend's exper uh, response is exactly why it hasn't done as well as they they'd hoped. Because you, like you said, the normies they're like, what the hell is this? And they go see it and they're like, ah, it's not for me. What's with the talking shark? Sam Fisher says. Regarding the comic creator getting paid $5,000 for movies, shouldn't all of that stuff fall under royalties, or is it because it's work for hire, royalties don't apply? Is it written into their contract, and they don't profit off the character outside of the books? Well, that's right. I mean, unless you negotiate some kind of a... If you're going to do a um, creator-owned book, and you're going to publish it through DC, and you make merchandising rights, but they own they own all those characters. So there's really nothing you can do. And work for hire is like, hey, do you want to write comic books for us? We're going to pay you, say, $5,000 or whatever we pay you. And you're going to do a 9 or a 12-issue miniseries for us. And that's what we'll see what you can do. And um, So, yeah. It's, it's, you don't get... What do we know, kids? You don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. And unfortunately, these are contracts sometimes decades old and they haven't changed. So when they go and they finally make a movie... Marvel isn't even obligated to give the creators anything at all. And while you think, okay, well, they're making a billion dollars a movie, that that's, I know. And that's something that, I, it's a tough, tough call, but Marvel's under no obligation. I mean, we're talking legally under the law. I would say if you adapt, I've said this before, Ed, Breaker, Ed Brubaker's uh, Winter Soldier storyline, you know, you should give him credit. I mean, they just, they called it the Winter Soldier. He created that concept. They should, they should pay him like any other creator even though they i mean technically they already own the work so it's hard to do that but i think they should sam fisher says uh already oh, i already answered that sam sam fisher goes on to say what i really loved about gun suicide squad was that he brought back harley's black and red color scheme i hated the bubblegum and cotton candy hair air gave her that then proliferated through the comics and into the harley animated show man I, isn't that crazy because everybody wants to follow the real actress when they play Harley. They don't want to go back to her cartoon anime-looking origins in Batman the Animated Series. It's it's kind of a weird thing. But I understand why they did it. But I, I thought she looked great in the black and red. Looked great. Loved it. Loved it. Sam Fisher says, Have you talked about Netflix casting Catherine Zeta-Jones and Louis Guzman as Morticia and Gomez Adams 
in their Wednesday Adam series. What do you think about the casting? Not my first picks. Not both real. Uh, not that they're both not really talented. Uh, you know, first of all, if you look at the original Adams Family comics, Gomez looks kind of goofy. Not kind of is goofy. So I could understand where they're going for or what they were coming from when they were trying to figure out who to cast. And maybe you know Tim Burton or something uh, came across that and made that made that choice. But Catherine Zeta Jones, I mean, come on. And Louis Guzman, I think it's kind of perfect casting to be honest, especially if you know the comic strips. Sam Fisher goes on to say, this past Saturday was free comic book day. Uh, it was, I forgot. It was also my birthday. Well, happy birthday, Sam. I picked up several books, including the new 52 Suicide Squad run, some Squadron Supreme books, and a hardcover of the first Dune book with a series introduction by Neil Gaiman. Well, that's a great haul, Sam. That's a birthday haul if ever I heard one. Congratulations and happy birthday. Sam Fitcher says, uh, you recommended Slugfest. I love that book, and I've reread it many times. I would like to recommend a book called Superman is Jewish about how heroes like Superman and Spider-Man are rooted in their creator's Jewishness. It really speaks to me because I'm Jewish. Well, then, Sam, you'll understand what I say when I say Yerushalayim Shelzahav. Um, I believe that. That's that's actually uh, interesting. I mean, you know, the idea of Superman was like the immigrant experience, and I do think that's part of where superheroics came from. I mean, you had immigrants that wished they had more in life, even though they'd come to America, and, and writing those stories are what gave them a release, and that's why we have the characters now that we have. And I think it's pretty great. I love the idea that Superman is really, you know, he's an immigrant, and I, I do love that. You know, and the fact that, like, in the 30s, especially in the 40s, uh, so many Jewish immigrants coming over because of the, uh, the war. And, um, yeah, I, I like that. And uh, I'm also Jewish. I was raised Jewish, so even though I was adopted. But, yeah, I did find out later my biological mother was also Jewish, which I was like, yes. Anyway, uh, Sam Fisher talked about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He wants to know, what's your favorite story from Slugfest? I think mine is the Man-Thing, Swamp-Thing story where DC released Swamp-Thing a month after Man-Thing and Marvel threatened to sue. Did they? Did they? But no characters. I think it was Len Wein and Gary Conway who were roommates at the time. While Wein came up with the Swamp-Thing on the train, he probably got the idea from seeing Conway's Man-Thing work around the apartment subconsciously. I like that idea. I think it'd be kind of cool if that were true. Uh, Sam Fisher says, we will likely never see Avengers versus JLA because of rights issues. But we did see Avengers versus JLA. Maybe not movies, but the comic was cool. Actually, I have the Absolute Edition right down there. Uh, it would be functionally the same as Roy Thomas creating Squadron Supreme to be a pastiche of the Justice League. Not the same, but as close as I think we'll get. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, you'd have to have a lot of people cooperating. Uh, it would obviously be Warner Brothers or HBO Max in partnership with Disney. I think that'd be pretty cool. I'd like to see that. <laughs> It'd be good. Uh, Superman Steve says, hey, John, it's been forever since I've written in, but I just want to share a really fun fact for yourself. And Rob, did you know that Transformers Dark of the Moon is the loudest movie in cinema? How cool is that? Superman Steve, that's very cool because I had to tell you, uh, I used to be an apologist for that movie, for liking movie, mo liking uh, Dark of the Moon. I love it. I mean, as far as how can how much can you love a Transformer movie? Well enough that I can have no problem saying I love 
Dark of the Moon. I think it's really, really, really good and a lot of fun. And the special effects in the Battle of Chicago are insane in the membrane. They're also off the chain. Uh, they were good things. Loved them. Ryan Loner sends in a tip and says, Put me down as loving the Captain Carter what if. And I'm pretty sure they weren't deliberately starting with a story that didn't change much to ease us into the concept before the other episodes go nuts with it. I think so, too. I, I think it gives us grounding. I like it. It, it, it. it opens up the possibilities. It gives us fan-favorite stuff in there, which I think is great. And uh, I thought it worked pretty well. So I enjoyed it. I mean, there wasn't a lot to it, but I do want a Hydra Stomper with a uh, Steve Rogers pilot figure. Come on, that stuff. Come on. Come on now. Sam Fisher says, Simulu has every white to... Every white... Every right to voice his opinion, but if I was a studio exec, I don't know if I would hire him if he gets if he keeps telling tales out of school like this. First, the article interview he did about the execs at Kim's Convenience and now slamming Disney. Look, the guy's a working actor, and when he get ho- when he gets hosed, he should be able to talk about it. But apparently, the movie's really good, and as John says, winning w- w- when you everything is about winning, and when you win, everything else is forgotten. So hopefully, Simu will be happy with the reception. Of this, maybe they're that much further along to getting a Kim's Convenience movie. Who knows? But uh, you could be right. I, I I think it's just a little embarrassing for them right now, but I think they're going to go ahead and um, make it. Make it. They're going to make it. They're going to make a lot of money. I'm hoping that Shang-Chi might be the first $100 million grossing film for the weekend in these pandemic times. If it's as good as people say it is, I want to see people roll out for it. Uh, Andrew Mark Bridson sends in a tip and says, Hi, John. Love the show. Longtime fan. I was wondering what your views are on the teenage Cassie Lang recasting and what it means for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Thanks, John. Well, you know, she's growing and changing. I, I don't necessarily think anyone... Look, this is... I. It's probably not right for me to say this, but, you know, were people really clamoring to see her again? They want to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. I I don't mind if they recast that role. It, I, it doesn't have enough of a presence for me to care, but I can understand they should. They could if they wanted to. So, they are, and they did. So I just have to get used to the recasting, and hopefully for the best. Anonymous sends in one of three tips. Wow. I see a lot of people on the web saying that Simulu is complaining a lot when Bob Chapek says that Shang-Chi is an interesting experiment for them. I know he get uh, I know that he meant the new release window, but as an Asian American myself, I do understand where Simu hang on, let me get up there, is coming from, and I agree with him, we are not an experiment. I myself am personally frustrated by Disney uh, Disney's release of their Asian-based lead because first they put Mulan in live action and Disney Plus and then Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying there. Um, look, I, I we want to see asian theme material succeed because I want more of it. I'm a huge fan of Asian sci-fi and in general, films in general. And I want to see more that we get more. So hopefully it'll do well. Maybe Shang-Chi will do well in China. I hope so. Tough act to follow, though. You know, there's a lot of great Hong Kong martial arts movies, so Shang-Chi better be really good. But John Campion really liked it, so maybe I will really like it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying, I, I think in a way, Simulu was responding to what was tweeted out, but I don't think, he was not wrong. 
You know, he wasn't wrong about wanting to be treated differently. But uh, Anonymous goes on to say, and then now saying Shang-Chi is an experiment. I love Disney, lifelong fan, but they seem to be disappointing right now, and I believe they could do better and be better than this. Well, they're still pretty good, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, I think they need to, when you have a star coming out, you don't want to piss that star off. That guy, that's never good. Uh, Ben Rayner comes back and says, Hi, John. Happy Monday. I just want to say, never forget those immortal lines once spoken by George Costanza. I was in the pool. I was in the pool. Shrinkage. JK, thanks for giving us great shows every week. Bring on the sweet, sweet, filthy. God bless you. Bring it on. Bring on the sweet, sweet, filthy. I love it. Uh, Jalen Pryor. What a cool name. A.K.A. Iconic. Sorry, it's been so long. It's been so long. Just like putting out fire with gasoline. But I was going back over some of the movies and shows Marvel made this year. And honestly, like them or not, it's an it's amazing how during a pandemic we still get six things of Marvel content this year. WandaVision was my favorite, though. Well, you're going to get more, Jalen. You're going to get more. There's going to be season after season of Marvel shows coming, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Alan tipped five bucks and says hi john i saw a video released on shang chi social media that showed 10 rings in a box and also simu simu with the 10 rings on his arms my question is are there multiple sets of them or do you think shang chi will have to kill his father to get them uh that would be the latter anyway so yeah Jalen Pryor goes on to say, also i'm still going to remain hopeful for the chronicle sequel being enjoyable regardless that being said, I feel like this year we've been getting announcements for a lot of older movies and getting sequels. I'm with you, man. What's with this whole mining the baby booner era and be like, oh, we're going to make a remake of something that came in 1984? Like, why? I mean, I get it, but that audience grew up and they're not here anymore. So, what are you going to do? Hancock is next on the list. I like Hancock. Come on, man. Charlie Theron and, and uh, Will Smith. Yeah, they fly around and beat the shit out of each other. Actually, that's not that's not that. Yeah, that's Hancock, right? That's what Hancock happened. They're they're two ancient creatures. Yeah, that's that's correct. I was thinking Chronicle, but no, it's Hancock. That's right. I liked it. Chuck the Mystery says, Hey John, tech question. I'm a Mac user, but you've said you have a PC laptop. If I'm buying a PC specifically for the best video editing experience possible, no gaming or anything else. What are the specs for that dream machine? Processor speed, RAM, etc. Uh, you know what? Chuck the mystery. I cannot tell you uh, the answer to that question because I'm a Mac guy. I can tell you this. Uh, in my iMac Pro from 2018, I have a my processor is a 2.3 gigahertz 18 core, core Intel Xenon W. I have um, 128 gigabytes of me memory, I believe. My startup disk is, of course, my company name. The graphics are Radon Pro Vega 64, 16 gigabytes. So there you go. I don't know if that helps you, but that's what I have on this computer. Anonymous says, hey, John, finished a miniseries called The North Water about some whalers in the 1850s. By the way, that the show looks great. That ended up having a pretty miserable time. Dark, gritty, great writing and acting. Colin Farrell. Oh, you 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 finished the whole miniseries. Colin Farrell filmed in the Arctic. What's not to love? Worth a watch. Have a great day. I didn't know that that had come out yet. I've been seeing trailers for it. That movie or that series looked 
great, and we heard it from Anonymous, uh, all of you imagination connoisseurs should check it out. I know I will. Uh, Chris sends in a tip and says, so Disney returns calls to Emma Stone, The Rock, but just randomly decides to ignore ScarJo. I feel Team ScarJo is leaving out key info and all this, just not adding up. I love you all, John. Uh, actually, love all, love all you do, John. What about, what am I, chopped liver? Hey, look, I think there's always something we don't know, and uh, that's probably a good bet. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a good, good question. Things don't add up. Uh, Chris, thank you for that, and thank you for the tip. Anonymous says, hey, John, I just finished this miniseries called, wait, I already read that. What am I, am I, am I freaking out? Are things doubling up? I guess I had a little hiccup in my computer. Sheik says, why was Will Smith replaced by Idris in the new Suicide Squad? He probably didn't want to be in it, you know? And uh, But it, it seems silly. But they've had daughters that are, uh, yeah, it seems silly. But I, I loved Idris Elba in the role. I thought he was great. Although I would have loved Will Smith too. But I, I can understand him not coming back and they create a new character for Idris Elba. Who wouldn't? He's dope. I love him. But yeah, and uh, that's probably what happened. Or, I mean, they... Will Smith said, I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to go through that again. And uh, so they moved on. They moved on. Maxwell and the Apocalypse says, well, John, my question is simple. How much better do you think the Suicide Squad would have done at the box office if it was PG rated? Also, let's throw in theatrical release only. Uh, it might have done a lot better, but it would have been a different movie. I don't think people would have liked it nearly as much. I think the irreverent attitude taken by the filmmakers, especially James Gunn, is what made that movie as fun as it was. And, uh, yeah. I think you needed him. But, what can you do? BK Dan says, John, from what I see, that about a third of people in the chat and across the Twitterverse are looking at the experiment comment from Chapek as seeming racist. I don't agree. I just want to bring up the point of view from the darker side of views. BK Dan, I'm with you. I don't think it was racist. I don't think it was meant to be. I think he was specifically speaking about business because that's what he was on, an earnings call. And, you know, Simu Liu was, I think, excited and, and wants to make sure the studio is supporting the movie 100%. And, uh, you know, that's what happened. I, I, I think like you, I think that... Uh, You've got to look at it in the context. Why was that conversation had? And it was had in the context of donors. And they needed that for those various reasons. And I think that's that's something people need to be mindful of. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I think. Uh, what's DW mean? DW Doofy, uh, Dunphy. DW Dunphy says, in your opinion... Does Bob Chapek really want Feige to stay at Disney? Or is he trying to squeeze a potential threat out of the Disney family by taking these talent jabs out into the public? Feige may be the golden goose, but cumulatively, these folks, or these feel less accidental. Could very well be. Could be him trying to show Bob Iger to the door, but I don't know. I mean... Maybe. I just think that these kinds of publicly humiliating things, that spats that go on with stars, it's just counterproductive. It's just not good. Not good. I don't think it's good for anyone. So I can't believe they're happy about it. All hail John Campia. Says, hey, John and Rob, I wanted to see uh, 
see is your perspective of Pacific or see what your percept you you you're asking if I get it right. Hey John Rob, I wanted to see your perspective on Pacific Rim Two. Personally, I don't think it was as good as the first one. I think they tried to do way too much to top the first film. Personally, for me, it didn't work. Thanks and bring on the filthy. Well, all hail John Campia. I love, love, love uh, Pacific Rim. Love it, love it, love it. And, you know, part of it was that, like, the, the, the cyborgs fight the kaiju at night. It's hard to do. Everything Everything happened in broad daylight in the second one in Starship Troopers. Well, did I say Starship Troopers? Pacific Rim 2 uh, Uprising. I, I just, it was to- totally bright. It was, like, during the day, I get it. The reason it, you know, they hide things, like when they made Godzilla, it's hard to CG render these things. So if they're at night in the rain, you can get away with not rendering them as clearly. And I remember, I mean, that's, I, I just didn't like it for that reason. I, I, it, it looked too fake to me. It was just, everything was during the day. And who likes that? I, I didn't. Anonymous says, hi, John, love the show. John, I have taken your advice and I finally got off my ass to get started on a film project. Oh, good for you, Anonymous. That's the best thing that we can possibly hear on the show. An adaptation of the classic Robin Hood tale with a different take. I'm super excited about the idea. Keep up the great work. Well, we're excited about you realizing this dream. Um, I love it. You know, making a films is an, I think it's an inherently positive act. And it adds to the tapestry of humankind. I said that, I said it on the show before, but I really believe that. So kudos to you. Keep us posted. Send us pictures. Are we going to get invites to the premiere? Because that would be pretty dope. Anyway, just saying. No pressure. You don't have to do it. You know, we, I, it's fine. I understand. Um, but I love the fact that you're, you're making your, uh, your own movie. I would say to you, and I mean this with great respect, you break a leg. You break a leg. Anonymous sends in a tip and says, Hi, John. Love the show. Oh, I already, I already said that. I thought it was another one. Oh, I get... What? This is the end. This is the end. Do, do, do. My only... Well, I guess... Wow, I, I went through these. Well, we've been we've been going uh, for an hour and 82 minutes. That's pretty good. Uh, pardon me, not an hour and 82 minutes. A total of 82 minutes. An hour and 22 minutes. I want to thank you all for being here. It's so much fun to read these questions. I really love doing this. I love interacting with all of you. I want to say thank you, first of all, to John Campia for allowing me to read these questions. I want to thank all of you for sending us these questions with your generous tips. You keep us going, which is fantastic. I love that. And for, you know, uh, everything else I have in my life. So it's all good. It's all because of you. This was a lot of fun. I love that John lets me do them. Thank you for watching. My name is Robert Meyer Burnett. You can find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett. Find me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on my own YouTube show, The Burnett Work. And this is me, your, uh, I don't even know, chiropractor to the stars or whatever. That's terrible. I don't know. Uh, but for all of you who wrote in, thank you. This was a great show, and I very much appreciate all of your comments. So, thank you.